Hello and welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Leadership Tools and Strategies. Thank you for joining us today. We're excited to investigate Minding the Gap with Nate Turner of Creative Grid Partners. Before we go any further though, we want to remind you about some of the important things that we talk about every week on the show. We want to remind you that this Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, you can find us at hashtag nonprofit chat. We'll be going deeper into the conversation here about the gaps that exist for us as individuals, organizations, and communities. We'll be joining uh, Nate. Nate Turner will be joining us on that. You can always follow Nate at, at Nate J Turner on Twitter. Want to remind you as well, issue two nonprofitperformance.org. You can find the free copy of that issue available. You can also subscribe to have a print issue of the magazine come. We have a quarterly magazine. So the next issue drops on March the 2nd, Monday, March 2nd. Next issue comes Millennials in the Nonprofit World. We've got Millennials growing. They will be the majority before too long in our organizations. Are you ready? Are you ready? At any time, if you have questions for us, info at centervisionleadership.org. Again, we're so thrilled to have you in. I'm Todd Greer, Executive Director of Center Vision Leadership Foundation. My guest today is the founder, the principal, the man, the myth, the legend, Nate Turner. He is the man behind Creative Grid Partners. He's a pastor. He's a designer. He's a little bit of everything, and we're thrilled to have him here today. Nate, welcome. Thanks for being with us. Todd, I'm so great to be with you today. I'm so excited. Absolutely. Nate, so, so you do a lot of different stuff. You have a great deal of experience, both as a pastor, somebody who's worked in a religious community, but then you also have this great experience uh, leading Creative Grid Partners. You you do some consulting work, you do some design work, but you have a really unique perspective on that. Tell tell our audience a little bit about what your perspective is at Creative Grid Partners. Sure. For me, it's actually been a personal journey. Uh, probably five years ago or so, I, I kind of sat back and I was in the middle of, of life and I was things were going pretty well professionally and, and I was enjoying uh, success there and as I was enjoying that success I found myself kind of uh, looking around and wondering okay well but what am I doing mm. and as I began to look around I just realized you know okay professionally I'm doing great but really there are a lot of things that I want to be doing that I, I'm just not and so instead I was you know watching football or I was you know watching sports center for the hundredth time in a row and and what I realized it was that I was missing something and and as I searched for that I realized that part of my background was I enjoyed the study of leadership and specific, specifically with strategic planning mm -hmm. and as I looked at strategic planning I realized there was a huge niche that was missing um, within a nonprofit world and there's there's just a lot of folks who are looking for where am I going and what am I doing and especially even as organizations what are we doing and where are we going and they need somebody to 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 be able to help guide them down that path and for me creative grid partners really is that it's it's running people through a strategic grid but thinking creatively about okay what kind of organization are we going to be how are we going to become who we want to be that's really interesting Nate and I one of the things I, I love as I uh, got to know you a little bit uh, over the last couple months here is you don't have a one-size-fits-all fits all type of mentality in your approach, right? Your, your approach is very unique to the individual, the organization that you're working with, correct? 
and really it has to be in some ways because we're very collaborative we like to work with a team of people who are going to be walking through the process together because we we believe that the ideas and the the thinking of the team is better than my thinking or your thinking or somebody's book that they've gone and read they know their organization and their clients they know who they're dealing with way better than we do so why am I going to come in try to tell you exactly what to do when you probably already have most of the answers locked in you somewhere and my job is to help you bring those out mm, that's a great point I, I love that concept so so we're today kinda of talking about what tends to happen for us as individuals, organizations, communities even, uh, we call it the gap, kind of. It, it's that place uh, that's sitting out there. Neat. You've mentioned to me before that this is uh, not just an organizational thing for you. It, it started with a, a personal realization, right? Right, and, and it comes back to that moment where personally I had fallen into the gap. Uh, the gap for me is it's the difference between where I where I was and where I want to be and and I end up somewhere in the middle and it's kind of like as organizations you know we create the organization and we have this idea we start this journey and we have a vision of the future and we know exactly where we want to go and we have this idea that's out there and that's where we want to be and we we as we start the organization, we're, we're excited and we've done everything the right way. We, we're, it's going to be a fully funded, exciting organization with great clients or great members or great uh, individuals. Or For us, even, it's a great life and we have this idea of this perfect future for us. And, and we get started and once we get started, all of a sudden we realize that we're, we're somewhere else. We're not where we really wanted to be. And we are in that gap in between where we started and where we want to be. And we're stuck. And, and for us, that's really difficult because we, we ask the question, okay, well, how did I get here, first of all? I mean, we, that's, that's the first question that I asked personally. And I was in a place where I was not where I originally wanted to be. And if I looked up and I said, okay, what was my plan? Well, I'm nowhere near where I, where I wanted to be. And so I said, uh, you, you know, for organizations, we start off with a target audience. We start off with a business plan. We build a strategy. And even though we do everything right somehow it seems like we end up somewhere other than where we we wanted and and that's the gap yeah that's a really tough thing Nate. and I think um, what you're hitting on is something that many of us struggle to deal with uh, we struggle even from the recognition perspective how does a person what does it take for somebody to recognize the gap between what they desire and where they actually are. What do you think? I think there's got to be a lot of honesty. Mm. I mean, and for us personally, sometimes we personally have to recognize and, and be honest enough with ourselves to look in the mirror and say, is this really, is this really it? Mm. Is this really where I wanted to be? Am I who I really wanted to become? I mean, if you had asked me 15 years ago or 10 years ago, is this the type of person that you want to be, would I have looked at that person and said, oh my goodness, I can't imagine that I would end up there? Or as an organization, it takes a lot of honesty to look around and to go, okay, is this really the vision that we had when we started? Is this where we really wanted to end? And and really to ask the question, is is this enough? Mm. Mm. And that's a really tough thing. And, and so, Nate, we've talked, and, and you've got a, a really intriguing framework here because it's for you it's not just, oh, 
we're, we're lost. We're kind of sitting in uh, no man's land. You really have, you've put together a perspective in which organizations, individuals, communities can really step back and begin to examine this process. How do you start to understand how you got where you are, Nate? What's, what's kind of that first step, do you think? I think, I think really, when it comes down to it, there are, there are three things that happen along the way. There, there are three kind of pit stops along that journey that, that tell us we're in the gap. There are three kind of symptoms. Uh, what happened originally was that we got busy. Mm. And that's a great thing because the good news is we got busy. You know, we sold the product, we got out there, we started the organization, we started landing clients. You know, we're making, we're making things happen for the organization. The bad thing is we got busy. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, we've got, client, we've got clients to support, customers to serve, and we've got systems to, to maintain. And for us, the first problem is that we, we got so busy being busy that... We, it kind of led us to the second problem, which was that we, we lost vision. Mm. You know, we, we sit down. We, somewhere along the way, the work overtook the vision. I think about a year ago, I, I, was, um, I, had a, I was running pretty hard, and things were going, they were going fine. And I, I looked up, and I looked in the mirror, and I thought, huh, I'm burnt out. You know, I'm just, I'm tired. I'm not completely sure uh, how things are going for me personally. I, I just, I'm, can I keep doing this? And the problem was that I had lost vision, mm. that I was so busy working the work that I had forgotten that there was a bigger picture that I was trying to accomplish. And for us, we, when we lose that vision, we, we kind of settle for what we have instead of what we always wanted. Yeah. And, and, so, and, and, and the other problem that we have to face is that we, ultimately we get fearful. You know, we, we got fearful somewhere along the way. I can't afford to lose these clients. Or even if they're bad clients, I can't afford to lose this, these clients. I can't afford to change this process. I can't afford the time, the effort, the energy to change everything right now midstream. And, and so what ends up happening is we do more work for less return mm. because we're doing busy, but we're not getting anywhere. We're just really spinning our wheels. Wow. We don't have, we don't, we're not where we want to be. We're just kind of spinning our wheels stuck in the gap. That's such an interesting thing, and I want to kind of unpack these first three things, Nate, because I think that there's so much here for us. Uh, I, I love that idea, and I, love, I say love and love and hate at the same time, that we're, we are. We're spinning our wheels, and I think part of that is because in our society we've equated busyness with productivity, right? Yes, or even worse, busyness with success. There you go. There you go. That's a great point. Business with success. And so because we have this rampant desire to stay busy, we miss the vision. We miss the point. We, we, we miss the things that we really are passionate about, that we desire to do what we're doing for. I mean, people don't go into nonprofits. People don't go into religious organizations. People don't go into educational institutions because they say, I want to be rich, right? No. You know, I mean, you're living in that world as well. We we don't go into those realms because we want to be rich. We go in there because we want to bring impact. And yet, at some point, we we miss that. Something that stood out to me in your your first aspect of it, the the sense that we just got busy. Um, I I think back to Stephen Covey's old Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and I think to his his quadrants, you know, we, we tend to get into the urgent and not important. And we kind of live in that world, don't we? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we have, if you think about your inbox today, I mean, it's 2, two o'clock Eastern on a Tuesday, and most of us are, are wondering, okay, how am I going to finish the amount of work that I have for this week, this week? And really, when it comes down to it, I don't have time to look forward for, to all the things that are coming at me over the next three months because I've got to focus on what's happening in the next three days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that sense of the email... Uh, it's that urgent. It's right in front of us, and so it, it grabs our attention. And a lot of times, it does simply hold us. Um, I think this is really interesting because, you know, whether you're thinking about the nonprofit, uh, you know, a service sector in which you have that squeaky wheel, or a church member that that's constantly taking your time, or or, or sometimes it's just the the mundane tasks that seem to overrun us. We all get busy. Uh, and I think you're dealing with the sense that we have to give ourselves permission to step back from that, right? Absolutely. I think we even. I think for some of us, uh, it's even more important because it depends on who you are mm-hmm. uh, as an individual, as a leader. For some people, they're just they're work, 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 work. And if you're going to take time and to kind of step back and look at the bigger picture, you're going to have to carve that time out. Because if that's your mentality, you're probably structured enough to be able to keep a schedule, to be able to keep a calendar, and to be able to carve that time out of your schedule and to say, okay, now I just want to take this, this 15, 20, 30-minute block of time, and I want to take some time and just ask the question, am I actually doing what I wanted to do, or am I just doing work? And, and sometimes it's okay to be just doing work because that has to happen. Clearly yeah. that has to happen. But... If your organization is going to move, move forward, especially if you're the leader, you've got to take some time out to carve that time away, create that margin, and ask the right questions instead of doing all the right tasks for today, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's really significant because uh, when we start to put this in perspective, we, we can almost think about this like a marriage. There are a lot of times in a marriage... Uh, we're, we're so busy going through life that we forget that we're going through life together. Mm-hmm. Uh, you talk about the sense of losing vision. I think a lot of times marriages simply end in, in part because uh, the the vision, uh, the the end product, so to speak, that people had as they were standing at the altar uh, getting married, it, it's it's blurred, and, and we lose sight of that. And I think you're you're absolutely right. Gosh, the same thing is happening in our organizations. The same thing happens for us as individuals. We we get so bogged down, we have to step back. Um, th- that's a, a really interesting thing. I want to go into this third one because I think the third one's really unique. I, I think, gosh, this sense of being fearful. Tell tell me a little bit more about what that looks like. When I think of the being fearful piece in particular. Uh, I kind of it kind of begs me to ask the question of any leader out there: Why do you keep serving people who aren't bringing anything to the organization? Mm-hmm. All right. So, so if you were to take your time and you were just to to divide it out and ask the question: How much am I really worth as a as a leader? How much am I really worth? Do the people who who end up 
and I think it's this is difficult because when we talk about services and clients, um, you know, churches and pastors, it's a little different when it comes to pastors and and people who are in in ministry and nonprofit uh, ministry type roles. But when you ask the question, how much of my time is this person getting for how much they're investing? And at the end of the day, if I'm spending hours upon hours dealing with what we would, I guess, what you would ultimately call bad clients. Mm -hmm. If they're not spending or investing very much into the process, but they're getting tons of my time, then I end up devaluing my time so much that it's not worth it. But on the other hand, we are so fearful of losing numbers. Mm. I mean, we all, we're all, we are all, whether or not you're a pastor, whether or not you're a, a CEO of a of a nonprofit, or or if you're a president of a nonprofit, whether or not you're on a board, we're all measured by certain numbers and metrics that come along. And if that if that measurement is attendance, if people leave, we're fearful of that. Mm-hmm. If that number if it's the bottom line, we're fearful when that number goes down. So we we feel like I can't afford to lose these clients. I can't afford to lose what I have because I might lose my job. And we're so afraid of losing what we have that we'll never get better. Mm-hmm. That's so funny. Uh, folks, if, if Nate is from the Atlanta area. I, I grew up originally in, in southeast Michigan, so uh, Nate and I have, have kind of had a conversation recently about this very idea of, of losing somebody. Sometimes you you almost have to cast somebody aside in order to be able to focus. Uh, you have to trim the tree back in order to get good fruit, right? Well, I, I even think I – think, I think we maybe we should think, even think about it differently than that, where it's not yeah. – as much cutting the tree back as it is giving people the freedom to get what they really need instead of what I'm giving them. Mm. Uh, in church work, a lot of times we look at people, and, and we, we have a very clear philosophy here in our church. You love people in, you love people out. And as people are, if people decide they don't, they don't want to be a part of our organization, our church, we do our best to help those people land somewhere that's right for them. Because if our organization isn't right for them, or if if you're a nonprofit and your organization isn't right for that client, there is a right there is a right organization out there. And so when we begin to take that positive mentality toward it, instead of I think you know trimming away certain clients or trimming away people in my in in, in our organization, it's you know you don't kick people out of the church most of the time. <laughs> that's just not really something we do. But but you do help people find a place that's right for them. Yeah. Because if they're frustrated here. You know, ultimately, if they're bad members here, that there's something about who we are that doesn't mesh with who they are. Mm-hmm. So let's help them find a, a church or an organization that fits who they are so that they'll be excited and passionate about what that organization is doing. And I think that, that even goes for clients sometimes mm-hmm. because there are certain clients that need another organization and what another organization brings to the table more than what they need our nonprofit or our organization for. I, I think about it even in terms of creative grid, what I do with strategic planning. There are other people out there that do what I do, and they do it. Some of them do it much better than I do it. And I'm, I'm perfectly fine admitting that here in front of everyone. But if, if, they, if there's another organization that does it better, I am more than happy to tell them, hey, you need to talk to this person, or you need to go talk with this organization, because they're going to be able to help you walk down the right path. There are different styles of coaching. I do coaching as well, and as I do leadership coaching, there are certain things that I bring to the table that are great for organizations or, or great for a leader, and I'm the best fit for them. But I have friends who are better fit 
fits for some some clients. And I'm pushing people that way. And I think when it comes to letting people go, we're not as much cutting them off as we are giving them what they ultimately want and need. Because mm. the weird part about that is when they're with us, they're in the gap. It's mm. an interesting point. I, I think some of what goes into this as well is we have to value our own time uh, as, as leaders, as organizations, um, to be able to maximize the impact that we can bring. I, I think about the sense of uh, if you're spending 80% of your time on 20% of your population uh, that, that are bringing little to no impact, then again, we've got to ask some questions. So, so we've got some things that we've identified, the gaps. We've, we're identifying those things. So, so Nate, rather than just leaving us here in the gap where we, we, we all feel lost and lonely and just want to hang our head, how do, we, how do we get through the gap? How do, we, how do we continue the process, the journey in front of us? What do you identify there? Sure. I think there are, uh, you know, as we look at it, uh, there are kind of four pathways out of the out of the gap or out of the valley, whatever, whatever you want to call it. The first is to reevaluate our value, what we were just kind of talking about. But really, that's even more so asking, you know, what's my product or what's my organization worth to a good client? Mm. How how valuable is it um, to a client that's going to be or a member that is going to be the type of person we want? And, and, the, and the question that we also have to come to with that is, have I cheapened? Um, have I cheapened my value? Have I dropped my value in order to get? a mediocre client. Because um, for so many of us, we, we price ourselves out of good clients by pricing ourselves too low. Um, you know, if, if you were to call me, I'm not going to give you the super cheap discount just to get you as a client because of the fact that then my product's not worth anything. Mm -hmm. And I end up getting a client that thinks I'm worth nothing. Um, and so sometimes we price ourselves out of better clients by pricing ourselves too low. So there are some nonprofits out there that need to figure out, okay, you know, we need to start asking for more money in donations because we're worth more. You know, ultimately we're not just cheapening our value, we're cheapening the experience we bring to the table. We bring expertise and experience to the table and, and we're cheapening that expertise by not asking for anything in return. Or for asking for very, or by asking for very little in return. And so, um, you know, there, there, what expectations are we setting by the value we place on our organization? I think about it recently. I, I went to the app store and I was looking for a very specific kind of app. And and as I was in the app store, I, I kind of went and and there were four or five different apps that could do what I was looking um, to get done. And as I looked through, I saw that there were apps. There were free apps, which were great. You know, we all we all love free apps. I don't know anybody who hates free apps. Um, but then there were also apps that range from you know. $2 to $4 and then there was one app that was 15 or almost $20 and and you know the question that I would ask is which one do I think is the best app out there? Mm. I think that I think the $20 app's the best app. Because if they're charging $20 for it, that thing must be I mean that must be the app on the market for what I'm looking to do. And so for many of us we're like, well, you know, we're really a, I mean we're really a $1 app. I mean, we'd love to be the fifteen dollar or twenty dollar app, but we're really—I mean, we're just—we're just a one dollar app. We're not really—we're not that great. Well, people, I'll be honest with you. I don't want the one dollar app. You probably don't want the one dollar app. Yeah. Nobody out there is going to go out there and go, hmm. Well, I guess I'll take the not free one, but the closest to free one that I can get. Most people don't want that, and so uh, you know, that's the first kind of pathway is to reevaluate our value and say, okay. Are we asking for enough in return for what it is that we do? That's a great point. I think that sense of, of buy-in, you talked about uh, 
we need to make sure that we're setting expectations in the proper places. And I think a lot of times, you're right, we're, we're so desirous of people, of those metrics, as you point out, that our expectations we end up lowering and lowering to the point that we have so watered down the potential for our impact because we haven't set high expectations. I, I think any organization that wants to continue to grow and bring impact needs to continue to raise expectations and they need to encourage people to step in at a higher level, what, what level whether it's donors or volunteers or board members. Uh, we're all seeking to bring a greater level of impact. That's why we do what we do. So that's a, I think that's a really, really significant point, Nate. Yeah, and I think that, that works for churches as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, churches need to ask more. If you don't, if you don't ask for for anything from people when they walk through the door. Now, granted, I mean, if they're brand new and they're, you know, but if they're bought into your organization and you're asking for nothing from them, then you know they they don't see a ton of value in your organization. You're a great place to sit. Um, you know, I think also, you know, the second pathway that we kind of have to enter into and we have to go down is we kind of we really have to move back into sales mode. Because a lot of us, we got into sales mode in the beginning. We went and we sold a product, and we, we got out there, and we drove, and we worked hard, and we, we got clients. And now we've kind of settled into maintenance mode when it comes to working with those clients or, or managing the existing client base. But really what we need to do is we need to, to not just do customer service for bad clients. We need to kind of go out and create a target list. Okay, who, if, if I, who is my dream client? Who are my dream customers? Who are my, my dream members? And, and how, could I, how could I help the people who I either, either help the customers I've got to become those type of clients or what's it going to take for me to get in touch with those people? Mm. What's it going to take for me to go out, make the sale so that I can replace some of these, these clients that I've got with the clients that I really ultimately want? It, it's almost it's returning to the founding mentality then, isn't it? I mean... Because when, when we think about being that sales mode, I mean, that's where we all sat there uh, in the founding of our organizations and we said, this is the, the picture that I see. And it didn't look weak and falling apart. It looked extremely vibrant. So I think that's a, a really unique place there. Nobody envisions a terrible organization when they're founding something, right? And nobody envisions doing customer service for bad clients. Nobody, nobody wants to do that, and you didn't want to. And, and what the great, one of the great things about moving back into sales mode is that if you remember that excitement early on, that excitement begins to kind of come back, and you begin to say, "Oh man, I'm excited about this again because, hey, we're going to go out and get, we're going to go out and get the best. We're going to go out and get much better clients, and we're going to." And and there's almost maybe some tears to this as well, yeah. where you begin to, you know. The first stage, you go into sales mode and you get some clients and you're main, maintaining and then you realize, okay, I've got to go back to sales mode again and so you get a step up on the clientele and you begin, you begin to get better clients and then as you enter into maintenance mode with them, you realize, okay, that's, that's not really where I wanted to be either so you begin to maybe move a step up or you reevaluate who is my target customer mm -hmm. at the end of the day and, and so you say, okay, we're going to go out and move more toward our target customer. It, this all isn't going to happen at once. Yeah. But over time you move from being, okay, I'm stuck in this gap between where, where I started and where I really wanted to be to, okay, I'm moving forward and progressing down this pathway out of the gap and toward ultimately the vision that we, we set originally. And so that's, that's kind of when it comes to the second pathway. And third pathway for us then is, is to look inside because 
culture is created by real values. At the end of the day, when it comes to culture, that culture is created by the real values you have as an organization. Mm -hmm. And those values are going to define who you are. And if you aren't who you wanted to be, maybe the problem isn't with isn't outside, maybe it's inside. Mm -hmm. And that's a tough that's a tough realization to come to. Maybe there's something about who we are and what we value as an organization that's keeping us from from being who we want to be. Yeah, and that's, that's difficult. A, it's a very challenging piece, and again, I think something like that takes, you, you talked about honesty before, it takes honesty and humility together, that idea of being able to accurately understand who we are and what we're doing to know, are we really bringing the impact that we saw? You know, and I think that's where, that's where the value of, uh, you know, consultants and I'm you know not here to plug consultants by any means but I think that is one of the values of consultants is that there are times where it does take somebody with outside eyes to be able to come in and it's better if you have somebody who can just come in and, and ask the right questions more than tell you what you're doing wrong yeah because you know they don't know what you wanted people who are going to just come in and tell you what you're doing wrong they, they didn't know what you wanted when you started they can assume what you wanted but they're not going to ask you the right questions to find out is this who you really wanted to be but sometimes it takes an honest look. I mean, walking around your facility and just asking, is this what we really wanted it to look like? You know, and, and walking through the front door and asking, okay, if I were coming in for the first time today, is this really the first impression that I would want to give? And so, yeah. you know, is who we are serving our clients or is it is it serving the clients we would want to have or is it serving the clients that we ended up getting? And that's funny because I think that goes on so many pieces. I think it goes into our sense of leadership. I think it goes into the user experience. I mean, just having people go through your website and ask, "Do you does this work? Does this make sense?" You know, I mean, the the simple things that are part of the fabric, the core of who we are. You know, those stories, those norms, those processes that we have. Do they make sense to the point that we can really get where we want to go? That's a that's a really important thing because I think sometimes uh, we end up attracting uh, something that we don't desire to attract simply because we don't have the alignment that we desire. Yes, I would agree and, and that kind of that also kind of brings us down to that last piece of the last pathway out which is really the processes that we have. Are the processes, the processes that we have are getting us the results we're having. I mean that's just kind of the way it is I and mean, that's the that's a very simple principle that we kind of all know but sometimes we forget that ultimately the processes that we have have gotten us the results that we're getting and so something about the processes that we have are getting us the clients that we have. And there's something about the way we do things or who we are um, that is maybe drawing bad clients to us. And so, or maybe we're not finishing the drill. Maybe the best clients have already come through the door and they've said, you know what, really, we, we really loved your product, but the process was terrible. Mm. And so as you reevaluate, you say, okay, well, what can we change in the processes to make sure that we are servicing our great clients in a great way? Um, because there may be a gap somewhere in our processes. Maybe our processes are also living in the gap between where we started and where we would want to be, and we've got to move them forward in order to be able to maintain and to keep the best the best clients. That's uh, I think it's so important because what you're talking about here, and again, you mentioned we've got to have this continual reevaluation, um, and I think a lot of times, whether it's our, our team, our, our customers, our, our audience, so to speak, 
we're not giving them the permission uh, to give us this insight as well. Uh, have you seen anything in your experience, Nate, that you would say, you know, this is how you go about giving somebody permission to help you in this continual reevaluation process? The biggest thing that I've seen are leaders who are willing to hear and not respond. Most leaders can't hear negativity or criticism, even if it's constructive criticism, without responding, without feeling this need to respond. Um, in, in our, with our staff, sometimes we have times where we call it the umbrella of compassion. Mm. And that's where when we're doing, and we do this, especially when we're doing brainstorming, we'll have the umbrella of compassion. And that is where no matter what idea somebody throws out, it's, it's going to stick around for at least a little while and we're not going to evaluate the idea right off the bat because we want to, to give that idea time to stand on its own. We want to, we'll evaluate it later, but we want to make sure we get enough ideas. And I think sometimes leaders need to have that umbrella of compassion time with their people and they need to be able to say, hey, umbrella of compassion, how are we doing? Hmm. What is working? And, and that's part of the, the evaluation process in general. I think that a lot of times organizations don't do a great job of evaluating what they do, but what are we doing really well? And then umbrella of compassion, what do we stink at right now? You know, what, where are the processes breaking down? Where are we keeping bad clients? And where are we keeping bad clients happy and good clients, uh, you know, poorly maintained? And so I think that sometimes those leaders just need to be able to have the ability to say, okay, umbrella of compassion, what are we doing poorly? And what needs to change in this organization so that we can be who we want to be? That's a great point, Nate. And, and I'm kind of thinking internally. My wife is a counseling psychologist, and one of the things – I know in that realm is uh, until a, a problem is identified, it can't ever be uh, grown. You can't grow through it, can't adapt, you can't, you know, change. Uh, and, and I think a lot of times, uh, you know, the, the hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil uh, mentality of those three monkeys sitting alongside each other is present in our organizations. You know, do, just do, don't tell me. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to see it. I don't, don't, don't talk about it. Um, and because of that, I think we're, we're missing the opportunity. So, I think this is really important because you're absolutely right. You know, one of the things that we recognize is the gap is is present, and it's present for all of us at, at different times. Um, but we have to acknowledge that it's there, and, and that's the only way that we grow mm -hmm. through it. Awesome. And I think emotional intelligence. I mean, we we have to be emotionally intelligent enough to be able to work with our team, to ask the right questions of ourselves, ask the right questions of our organizations, and then at the end of the day, it just comes to you know, strapping on our boots and going to work. Definitely. Nate, thank you so much for being with us. Our time is, is coming to a close, uh, but I, I think that there's so much here, and I'm really excited for uh, our, our nonprofit chat, our Thursday at 9 p.m. on Twitter, hashtag nonprofit chat. Uh, I, I think this is a great opportunity for all of us to do a little introspection, to think about what's actually happening for ourselves, for our organizations, and thinking about how we grow through it. Uh, and I want to give a quick plug because uh, you run uh, hashtag be intentional, and that's every Sunday evening at what time is it, Nate? 9 p.m. Yeah, we run be intentional every Sunday evening at 9 p.m. And we we kind of focus on uh, organizational strategy, productivity, but then also every once in a while we've done we've done chats on how do you be intentional in the way you rest and the way you vacate, um, take vacation, and and really cut loose. Uh, we've done, uh, we do, we talk about trust and conflict, all kinds of, of elements that, that we feel like, I mean, for me, we don't get into the gap in a day, and we don't, and we're not going to get out by accident. 
And so we're going to have to be intentional to get out of that gap. And so for me, that be intentional chat is I, I learn as much every week as I'm as I'm putting out there. Of course, I put my answers out there, and most of the time, I, I look at somebody else and say, "Wow, I kind of wish I'd said what they said." You know, <laughs> sure. That's that's kind of that's that's a great it's a great chat we do Sunday evenings 9 p.m. Awesome, that's fantastic, folks. You can follow him at at Nate J Turner. Uh, you can find him on Twitter. You can see uh, more about Creative Grid Partners, creativegridpartners.com. And if you tune in and check out the March 2nd issue of Nonprofit Performance Magazine, you'll actually see Nate has an article that's going to be in there about being right and being young as millennials in the nonprofit. And what do we do? How do we adapt to these things? So uh, we're excited to have Nate as, as a, a great partner alongside the work that we're doing here at the Center Vision Leadership Foundation. Thank you for joining us. Uh, check us out on the web, centervisionleadership.org. We're excited to interact with you and think about how we collectively can impact and engage in the nonprofit world. Again, I'm Todd Greer, Executive Director of Center Vision Leadership Foundation. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a great day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.